This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Tuesday, it's the 7th of November 2023. Today we're going to talk all about the OpenAI Dev Day Conference and Be My Eyes were there. We'll get live reaction. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, the irony of not being able to see the words live reaction without my <laughs> frog jumping out of my throat just at that moment. Hi, Sean Priest. Hello, what? hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you, sir? Do you know I haven't done the hello, hello, hello thing hello. for a year? You've kept track of it, obviously. Well done. Well, I've missed it for one, and I'm sure all our listeners have as well. Hello, hello, hello. hello, hello. hello. Um, can I just say, well done as well, because I didn't even remind you of the day or day before recording that intro. And Honestly. You, you nailed it, sir. You are a broadcast professional. Do you know what it is? It's because I am coffeeed up to the hilt. Yes, you I are. <laughs> this is going to be a quick show. We made just blah, 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 blah. I know it's it's like I love doing shows like this, but then I also kind of hate them because I forget them immediately. It's like it just all happens <laughs> so quick. Can we stay on for another hour? Can we get can we get him on the phone? Is he up yet? Mr. God ah, bless you, Mister F. He won't notice. <sighs> no, he won't notice. Uh, listen, lots to talk about today because, of course, the big news of the day. You can't really call it breaking news because it happened yesterday. Well, well, uh, no, no, okay, okay, fine, no, no, fine, okay. News. Thank breaking you. News. I don't think we should have used that, but anyway, uh, OpenAI held their Dev Day conference. Ooh. Yes, I know. We were all so excited. I yeah, honestly was. Sorry. This, this is, to me, yeah. is, is becoming the... Uh, this is the first one. But I was I was really swept away. I'm going to say emotionally and oh. enthusiastically swept away with this. This seemed like a really cool... I mean, totally nerdy and geeky, but wow, <laughs> was it exciting. Oh, it was exciting, that's for sure. I mean, I must admit, we were going to play some clips, and I thought, I was going through the, the clips of it this morning, thinking, <laughs> what can we play? Yes. I, I, I actually can't play any of this, because it, it's it's so confusing. We'd have to stop and be like, okay, so that's what this means, and that's what this means, and I don't understand half of it, so nope. it's probably not a good idea. I mean, there were certain things that came out of it. I think one of the big things for most people was the talk around copyright infringement. I thought this was an interesting announcement. So the the and and maybe maybe I should start at the beginning here because people may be catching up on this. Yes, that's open AI. Yeah. Come, it's like that's the problem with coffee, right? You just yeah. dive right in. That's so true. yeah. Um, OpenAI is uh, the company behind ChatGPT, and it's the chatbot that a lot of us have been using and playing with. It's also the bedrock of Be My AI, the Be My Eyes app, the new feature in there. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, but OpenAI is the company behind it. This was their first ever developer day. So this is like their uh, equivalent to Apple's WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference, where all the developers get together and they learn what new tools are in the toolbox that they can go away and play with, and make new applications, make new services, and all of that stuff. So that's the backdrop of it. Sam Altman, the CEO, presented, along with some others. And it was really interesting to watch. But like we say, it was hugely geeky. And one of those big announcements was around copyright infringement because there are concerns about plagiarism and copyright issues when it comes to uh, sourcing information online. Because, you know, you, you pull up this information, sometimes you'll ask it to write a report about something. It's using data from articles written by journalists and all the rest to compile your response. If you said, write me a report about the OpenAI Dev Day conference, 
it's going to reference the Verge and Engadget and all these other websites out there to gather all the information because that's what it's doing. It's sucking up all this information from the web and then it's turning that into information for you in a simplified way. But the question is, the data itself, you know, we, we've obviously talked about privacy and security and that's a big concern, but plagiarism is another one. People's work being taken and, and used in other places. Granted, it's being changed by the AI, but you know the data, the information is still coming from a source. And big, big questions around that. It's going to have a big impact, I think. And this copyright issue is only going to get bigger as time goes on. And at the conference, they announced that they would handle any lawsuits. They would basically pay for them that came out as a result of any infringements of copyright from uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT. I think I got that right. That's that's ultimately why I picked up from that. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, it does show they must be incredibly confident. I think the key word here is transformative because, of course, I mean, you're getting knowledge from uh, going through so much data that's pre-written, as you rightfully say, by other organisations or other individuals. Yet, if that's being relayed back to you and it's being transformed transformed in such a way that it's not really that work that original work anymore then can there be a claim of copyright even though the information yeah. is gleamed from other people's work if you transform it enough does it become something new they obviously think so another area is custom gpts now this i think is the most exciting one for us perhaps or for anybody actually who just wants to create and i see this phrase used a lot my gpt i want to build my gpt that would actually be a better name for it because that's ultimately what it is it's like it's you can build your own world you know using your world of knowledge whatever it might be in our case for example we've just launched double tap on air.com right so i'm immediately thinking i've said this to you last night we could build an a GPT that kind of focuses in on all the knowledge of the show. Yes. Um, I you mean, want, you know, well, you maybe want, need to add some knowledge. Do you want, yes, well, that, that's that's where we fall short. Do you, want to, <laughs> do you want to tell the ladies and gentlemen the name you came up with for our GPT? Oh, Tappy. Tappy, the worst name in the world. But uh, yeah, no, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And it kind of goes back to a discussion we were having before where I was talking about the um, tuning and the fine-tuning of the prompt that Be My AI has done over the beta mm. phase, and something like Celeste, who say they can implement it, and absolutely they can, but the tuning is what makes a difference. It gives it a, a personality or gives it a, a focus, if you like, of what the, the, the goal it's trying to achieve. Um, but the incredible thing that they demoed here was how the, you can create it, and it was just by talking to it. Okay, I want an assistant who is, I think the demo they gave was um, something about uh, giving advice to startups. And it was as simple as that, just a conversation. And by doing that, it was creating an assistant who had a specific focus, who knew their end goal and knew how to achieve it. And plus, they were feeding it various, you know, um, uh, essays and documents and whatever to get the information from. Uh, as well as going off to the web and the other models they've already got. It yeah. was incredible. It is incredible. And, you know, that this does mean that you could have a situation where, uh, let's take Freedom Scientific as just one example, right, or Humanware. You could think of any company, but you could essentially take all the information. I mean, I, I don't know if you can do this yet. You probably can essentially point it at a website. You can upload documents as well. Um, and you could say, here's all the knowledge that we have about this product. 
and you can ask anything you like about it. So it's not going off and sourcing information from elsewhere. Uh, so, you know, classic example, I've mentioned this before. If you Google, you know, how to turn JAWS off, it won't give you instructions on how to stop the DVD in your DVD player. It will give you specific <laughs> information about the screen reader. And that is exactly what you want. So companies can build this in, and you know this is just going to explode overnight with the potential here. We said this yesterday on the show that, you know, what OpenAI is doing is doing what the iPhone did to hardware, this is doing to software. And that was certainly the case. You know, this is moving beyond people making applications, even the developers in the room. This is actually giving these tools to us, to individuals in a simple way. Now, accessibility is going to be an interesting one here. Because yes. they did talk a little bit about the layout of the ChatGPT uh, window, uh, which I have to say has not been the most accessible experience in my life. Uh, the shortcuts do help. And if you're on a web browser and you just do command on a Mac, uh, command uh, backslash and on a PC control backslash, you'll get the list of commands coming up so you can navigate around the window more easily. So that's really useful. Um but, you know, how will this all work? I don't know. And it'll be interesting to see how they implement that. What is good is there are companies in the room, like Be My Eyes, who were, were actually in the room yesterday. Uh, yes. Mike Buckley, CEO, was actually in the room. And uh, we're going to speak to Mike in just a minute because he uh, joined us. Uh, he's joining us to talk about his experience of being there. But, uh, you know, being in the room is really important, I think, because as well as the whole purpose of Mike being there is to develop Be My Eyes, I hope there's a conversation going the other way to say, you know, blind people want to use ChatGPT too. So can we make sure this happens? Yeah. And I think that is something that would be appropriate for them to say. And I hope that conversation happens. But before we get into the conversation with Mike, I want to play you this a little clip. This is one clip I do want to play you because it covers two topics. Um, and one is Be My Eyes, because they got a mention on stage. Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, made reference once again. It's not the first time he's done this, but he's made reference to Be My Eyes as an exemplar reason for OpenAI to do what it does. But he also went on to talk about the new text-to-speech functionality. This is well worth checking out. GPT-4 Turbo can now accept images as inputs via the API can generate captions, classifications, and analysis. For example, Be My Eyes uses this technology to help people who are blind or have low vision with their daily tasks like identifying products in front of them. And with our new text-to-speech model, you'll be able to generate incredibly natural-sounding natural audio from text in the API with six preset voices to choose from. I'll play an example. Did you know that Alexander Graham Bell, the eminent inventor, was enchanted by the world of sounds? His ingenious mind led to the creation of the graphophone, which etches sounds onto wax, making voices whisper through time. This is much more natural than anything else we've heard out there. Voice can make apps more natural to interact with and more accessible. It also unlocks a lot of use cases like language learning and voice assistance. So really interesting to hear not just about the text-to-speech. We'll get to that in a second because that's very interesting as yes. well. But we've got to mention the fact that accessibility made it onto that main stage. CEO Sam Altman there mentioning Be My Eyes and talking about blind people. I mean, that, that's just great for us, right? I know. I still get so excited as soon as we get a mention like that. It's kind of like when at the Apple event, when they were showcasing Siri, 
when they had a blind person on, you know, sending the first text message using Siri. And it, I don't know what it is. It's just like, oh, they're, they're talking to me about me for once. And I get so excited. But it was really cool. It was. It really was. And a great opportunity. Text-to-speech as well is incredible. I mean, that, can I say this next to my Amazon speaker? She sounds so much better. It's the best TTS I've heard. When I was using OpenAI in the voice chat feature they have, it's incredible. Quite honestly, it's the best thing I've ever heard. The closest to it is the Microsoft Natural Voices you get Mm. in the immersive reader and with narrator. I mean, they're excellent as well, but those are on another level. What they've done there is absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Uh, well, look, let's um, let's bring in Mike Buckley. He is the CEO of Be My Eyes. He is at the uh, the place, the event where it's all happening. The Open AI Dev Day, of course. We're into day two. The fallout from all of that. It is great to have you with us here to talk about it all and give us your reaction, Mike Buckley. Welcome back to Double Tap. Always nice to be with you guys. Uh, I want your listeners to know that uh, I'm going to have to negotiate compensation with you if I'm going to be a roving reporter at these events going forward. So. Sorry, you're dropping out there, Mike. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget it. That's not happening. Um, so uh, tell us, obviously, the event has happened. It's a very interesting event, of course. It was very geeky, I will admit. Um, so, you know, a lot of people might have found this a little bit too geeky for them. Uh, but from your perspective, what was your big takeaway from from this, this first, this inaugural uh, developer event from OpenAI? I mean, it's a, it's a couple of interesting things. The first is that um, I haven't personally been at one of these uh, where I've seen this much excitement since, you know, maybe one or two of the Apple events over the last, you know, in 10 years, having some of their big introductions. The uh, There's an incredible amount of general excitement, interest, and energy here just overall. I think the couple of takeaways that I had is um, we're seeing uh, faster models, cheaper models, more powerful models, all wrapped into one, um, which is, I think, great for our community, uh, but also just generally the community developers looking to do really interesting and fascinating things with AI technology as a whole. And I, um, you know, I vacillate every time I, I hear something between, gosh, this is incredible, innovative, exciting, between that and then thinking, well, I wonder how many startups this is going to put out of business today. <laughs> you, you know, it, <laughs> like, like, like I really, you know, um, so it's it's an interesting dynamic to think about. But, you know, a more powerful, faster, cheaper um, and a bunch of little personalized type of uh, assistance that are also possible as well. That I think is really fascinating. I agree. I, I, the, the, the atmosphere from the event was incredible. There was a lot of excitement. And it's funny you mentioned that as we were watching ourselves, we were thinking, Wow, how many how many developers are holding their heads in their hand right now thinking there goes my service? But one thing that was interesting was the, the talk about tokens. You mentioned the faster service, cheaper service. I was wondering how would it affect Be My AI? Does it do anything to increase capacity at all? Um, in theory, we've got to run a bunch of tests, Sean. Um, but in theory, um, I was just talking with our CTO, Jesper, uh, who's presenting actually about Be My Eyes. He thinks that this is a way to decrease latency, right? So you you know that that when when you guys started your beta test, we were about maybe 15 seconds for a result to be served up, and now we're averaging I think around nine seconds on the latest data run that I have on this. And our hope is that we can cut that in half, which is obviously going to be a big deal. 
um, for users of the product. I think it's the only thing that there are two things about our service right now that frustrates me. One is that, that it takes nine seconds to render results, right? And the second is that the model still sucks on layouts with lots of buttons and complexity, right? Like a remote control or like a hotel phone with that has 15 separate buttons on it. It often misidentifies where those are. And um, I'm optimistic that today we're going we're gonna to solve one of those with what we heard or at least make it substantially better. I've already seen a lot of people excited about the fact that custom uh, GPTs are capable now as well. So this is something that I think a lot of people in the blind community are excited about because essentially you can then have these language models you know, built onto your website, taking information that's very specific. So there's lots of great opportunities here, isn't there, for, for growth across the sector? Immense. I mean, the... the um the specificity of tailoring, you know, this this technology to your needs, whether it's a company, an individual, um, a nonprofit, whatever, is a remarkable thing. And and one of the things that I think, Stephen, we're going to be able to build very soon is um, within the Be My Eyes app. Um, we have been talking for a while. I think we talked with you about of having kind of a, a verbosity setting, right? That would allow you to control whether you got like a hundred words in your result or just a yes or no, right? And and that should be user controlled. And I think what we're going to do is in the settings of the Be My Eyes app, we'll have a Be My AI button now based on what we learned today that allows you to control multiple things. So um, um, Greg Stilson, who is uh, with the American Printing House, I don't know if you guys know him. Yeah, he told us like, look, I just want the camera to know and Be My AI to know that it doesn't need to mention to me when my feet are in the picture, <laughs> right? When he, when, he, when he takes pictures. And so literally we, we will be able to have in the settings of the Be My AI app um, something that allows Greg to input that as a prompt for all of his results. And on top of that, you'll have verbosity settings or things like that or things that you want to emphasize or de-emphasize in your results. So my hope is that in the way that OpenAI is talking about their services holistically as being much more personalized, my hope is that we'll mirror that in the Be My AI experience to make sure that that experience is personal to the way you want to receive information, have information interpreted to you on a go-forward basis. Amazing. And how quickly is it, well, sorry, not how quickly, I suppose, how easy is it to implement these new improvements into your Be My AI feature there? You know, I think... Um, Jesper, my CTO, hates when I do this, so I'm going to say I think it's easy and we can do it fast. <laughs> um, but I'm, you know, I'm going to get yelled at for that later. Honestly, though, I mean, think about it this way, Sean: is is if 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 the if the programming prompts that are required are language based, right? So if I have kind of a if we have a setting in the Be My A app where literally we can say please don't tell me when my feet are in the picture. Um, please make my responses as succinct as possible. And you can do that with language. That's different than erecting, you know, a thousand lines of code, right? I mean, it's, it, so in theory, it should be, um, it should be faster. It should be highly doable. Um, but you got, you know, we got to make sure it works, but I, I think, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by the speed you know, another aspect, I mean, other than writing your own and creating your own custom GPTs that individuals can do, and of course, the, all the features that you can 
benefit from. The other aspect here is the voice and the text input methods. This potentially will change how apps look and feel in the future. Essentially, you could have an app with one button and you can just talk to it or a text entry field that you can type into. And ultimately, that makes such an improvement towards a more accessible interface, a more accessible OS, because you've less to navigate, right? You've one button to press, one text field to enter into. I, I agree, man. I, I, I think that, I mean, that can be amazing. You know, like, like, you know, we think about the design in our app a lot and we realize that, you know, too much of the feedback that we get, and while we're really appreciative for it, but too much of the feedback we get is from tech savvy uh, members of our community, right? Um, who, who interact with technology on a daily basis. But, you know, think about, you know, um, someone who gets a, a smartphone for the first time, right, who's blind or low vision, and somewhere in the developing world or the global south, being able to tell them that they can use, forget about be my eyes, being able to tell them they can navigate anything by just speech, I mean, it's, it should be game-changing, right, shouldn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, definitely. We're, we're getting into that sci-fi uh, voice assistant area. What voice assistants always promised to be, now we're seeing a glimpse of, you know what, I can see this actually working. It was really impressive, that Wonderlust application and the voice assistant demo that they gave. I, I just said straight away, I mean, that's almost the end to the user interface. You, you simply ask for what you want and it's done. It absolutely blew my mind. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you know, let me ask you a question. If we implemented, you know, full voice controls in our app now, would you, do you think you'd use those or do you think you'd use the, you know, the more physical tapping, um, you know, interface and, and would you continue to use it the way that, you know, you've used it for the last few years? That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think that the challenge is always, especially for a screen reader user, right? If everyone's a screen reader user, which, of course, a lot of low vision users uh, who use Be My Eyes may not be, um, then if you're using a screen reader, you want the screen reader to do the talking because you don't want voices talking over. I had this issue with the Bing app, right? It was always talking over my voiceover. So you know, I had to turn that feature off. But if it's an optional extra, I think a lot of people could benefit from that. And especially now... I think you'd agree with this, Sean, because the voice, the conversational aspect of, of GPT now, uh, you know, when you go into that GPT app and you're able to have that conversation, it is so powerful, but it's is, it is so lifelike in a lot of ways. So it's much more natural in its response, which therefore may make it more uh, interesting, Sean. I, I would definitely use a, a voice interface. Um, yeah, depending on what the, the feedback is, I, I agree with you, Stephen. Sometimes it's difficult. You know, you've got voiceover talking and then uh, another self-powered TTS talking over it. It can be difficult. But I much prefer speaking my questions uh, and getting a response. It just feels more natural. It doesn't matter how elegantly designed the interface is. Having to swipe through to find a text field, double tap, type my message or whatever, it, it just slows me down. Having that conversation, and because the way the AI works, it's so um, accurate and so context-aware, it just flows really well. I think it would be absolutely amazing. But we want it to be... A choice has to be a choice, I think. Yes, I would agree. That's I'm a hundred percent with you there, right? A hundred percent with you there. Like, even though, from my own biased viewpoint, right? Like, I I would want to prioritize speed over everything else, and so I would want to use voice. Like, you know, 
I think that's the lesson I've, I've learned and we've all learned the hard way at one point or the other is like, you have to give the power to the person using the service and not kind of like, you know, mandate for them that the only way to use a particular service, right? Or, or application. Um, while I've got you, um, I want to just quickly ask you about, the, the, there's been a little bit of controversy in the community. Maybe you can address it quickly for us since you're here uh, around denial of service, people getting these errors that come up from time to time. Can you explain what, what that is to people so they understand why it's happening? Yeah, beta beta tests suck sometimes, Stephen. That's the answer. <laughs> you know, first of all, I'm sorry, right? Like, I, I, you know, anytime you provide something that I think that enough people have told us about the fact that this is a utility at this point, where I felt horrible. I think we were down for for six hours, and um, and that was brutal. And and part of the reason that that was is because leading up to developer day. OpenAI and Be My Eyes were testing a whole bunch of new features, and one of the things that was launched broke the existing the existing application the way it was working, and it was down for six hours, and it was down in the middle of the night for some of our teams, and so um, so I'm sorry, it's the nature of the beta. I'm confident that we won't have things like that in the future. The other thing is we we now have a, at least a you know an informal agreement with OpenAI that we're going to kind of test things in advance and make sure that we try to enable um, um, the service staying up or not breaking from something else that's launched. And I'm never going to promise perfection, Stephen and Sean, but um, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're not going to have another six-hour outage, although we had a a 22-minute outage like 48 hours after the six-hour one. So betas are betas, right? Um, And you guys know I I always try to tell you guys the truth, so I'm not going to I'm not going to promise perfection, but I think I think it's going to get a lot better. No, and listen, we we really appreciate that, and I appreciate you coming on and telling us because I know I can put that question to you. You'll give us a straight answer. So, and I know the community appreciate that as well. And it is something that just has to be understandable. It's part of the deal. Yep. We're at the bleeding, not even the cutting edge. We're at the bleeding edge of new technology here. So everything is moving so quickly, and the world wants to use this stuff. You know, you're linking into something the world is using. So it's going to go down. Things are going to go wrong. And I think six hours isn't bad considering how many people in the world are using this at the same time. It was a really important thing for our full team to hear and internalize and to see kind of the the anger and distress, you know, on Facebook groups, on Twitter and elsewhere. Like, it's really important that we, that we hear and feel that, you know, um, because even though we, we think that we've built something really interesting and really powerful, um, you know, you, I don't know, I try not to operate with hubris, you know, and, and um, so I don't, I think I hesitated to call this a utility up until maybe this point, but it really is. That's what we're hearing from people. And, you know, with that comes a massive amount of responsibility, you know, um, you know, if people were relying on something for their, their daily interactions with the world, like, you better not screw it up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's uh, it's something that people are relying on. It's something you're almost a victim of your own success. But I think you're you're just leading the way right now. And it's so cool when you get mentioned as part of the keynote uh, address, right? Absolutely. I knew Be My Eyes was going to be mentioned in there somewhere, and you were. Fantastic. It was... Uh kind of crazy you know like it's surreal to think about this you know this tiny little enterprise that we are in many respects um you know kind of being 
being together with, you know, a company that is arguably, you know, leading or certainly at the forefront of one of the most interesting technological developments of our lifetime. And so um, um, I'm really happy for the, the team, our technical teams and our sales teams and everything to just get that. But, um, but also, guys, that, that um, I don't know about you, but I can't remember kind of a, a giant moment in a keynote that was like um, part of the almost the cultural zeitgeist of the day, right? That as prominently featured accessibility as this, right? I just think that's cool. Yeah. You know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it, but I'm also really happy for our community be, um, um, being top of mind. You know, it's just it's just cool. Uh, just one more question, Mike. Be my AI hits one million sessions two weeks after the open beta uh, gets going. That has also got to be pretty impressive. I mean, I know we talk about it being a a service, almost a utility, but you know, to to get that level of interaction shows that when something works in our community, we'll engage. It's it's remarkable, and we'll we'll give you some data updates in the near future when we get them. One or two that I can give you now. We're still seeing an average of five to six sessions per day uh, from each user. So that number is holding steady. We've also seen that um, our monthly active users, you know, started at like 3,000, quickly went to 10,000. Last month was over 30,000. And and we're looking at the, I I literally look at these usage curves every single day and it's hockey stick, right? It's straight up (laughs) and to the right, which um, which is awesome and fascinating, but also underscores that point about, utility and usefulness right and so um, i'm excited mike go grab a beer go enjoy yourself get a chance to sit down with sam say hello from us and uh (laughs) thank you for coming on to double tap today yep and uh and uh you know i if i ever get an agent i'll just have him call sean about the compensation and maybe his microphone won't click out uh, yeah exactly (laughs) call call sean that's i'm sorry i'm just going into a tunnel i can't hear you anymore thank you so much mike All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, man. Great to hear from Mike. Uh, Stick around on Double Tap. We'll get into your feedback and the discussion about being blind. That continues next here on Double Tap. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon at Double Tap. Hey, Double Tappers. Uh, I'm Wesley Martin. Hey, I just wanted to say that I recently joined Mastodon. And I'm loving it. I'm at Wesley Martin at tweezcake.social. Um, also, I love the show. Thanks so much for having it. And tell Sean hi and tell him I'm Aberforth Dumbledore in Night Manager. Thank you. Oh, there we go. Oh. You've got followers on Night Manager as well. Well, more like people that absolutely kick my bum in Night Manager. Um, yes, thanks for killing my night. I appreciate it. Hello, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Wesley. Thank you. Welcome to the show. I uh, hope you're enjoying the elephant. I, I must admit, I'm enjoying the elephant too. What? Mastodon. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, sorry. I'm not down with the youth. The, I wasn't the bird sure. is dead. Yes. Elephants rule. <laughs> it's an ex-bird. Birds drool. <laughs> bird elephants rule. <laughs> uh, listen, lots of you getting in touch following the conversation about blindness on Friday uh, when I opened up about my experience on social media. Lots of you getting involved uh, with the discussion, as I thought you might. 
and sharing your stories. Aaron is first up. Hi, Stephen, Laura and Long Nose Jim, a.k.a. Sean. Stephen, I agree with you that as a disability community, we tend not to understand or even think about the needs of other individuals with compound disabilities. As an accessibility consultant, I always give the advice, I'm providing this information from my point of view, but sprinkled in that view are how your product, service, app, rather than website, might affect these other groups. I'm speaking at a high level, and the best thing would be to test and ask the users themselves. This way, I'm getting across the idea that many disabilities can be involved without necessarily speaking, like I know what I'm talking about. To your commenter who said deafblind people would have a hard time hearing fast speech, you never should assume the capabilities of another person with multiple or one disability. Again, we tell this to able-bodied people and turn around and crucify ourselves on our own crosses. We need to stand in unity over larger issues that affect the entire community, setting aside individual perspectives and preferences if anything is ever going to get accomplished, in my personal opinion. I left a community organisation in 2020 for this very reason. They were so focused on making sure that low-vision people had access to a newsletter and leaving aside totally blind people, saying that you could not customise a heading level at all. I showed them otherwise and still got pushback, even after showing them that changing the font size could be done and customised. This community organisation's attitude was all about making sure that everything fit on the page nice and neat, disregarding the fact that the newspaper was going out in a digital format and things needed to be changed so that blind people using screen readers could see and fully participate. It will always amaze me the attitudes of community organisations at times. They claim to serve, but dare to be different or shape the way business has been done and you're out. Anyways, rant over. Back to your regularly scheduled programming with a tech show. Honest. Keep up the good work and remember, Sean, winter is coming. God bless, oh. Aaron Linson. It's <laughs> like a warning. <laughs> that, was, that was a little bit scary. It's like an assassin. Okay, thank Prepare you. Prepare for winter. It was <laughs> not your friend. <laughs> winter too. Ooh. This time it's personal. Um, <sighs> yeah, lots to, lots to pick up on in that, I guess. I, I don't want to go over all ground, but I, I want to give you the chance, guys, to, to say what you want to say on this. So I, I'm just going to say I agree with you. I think the... The one thing that always sticks in my craw a little bit is the all going along the same path and agreeing with each other all the way. I think that I get where you're coming from with this, Aaron. I totally understand it. There are certain examples of this, I think. Two two clear examples in my mind, audio description and audio books. I think you know, I'm not a big reader at all. In fact, I would say that, you know, me and books don't really get on that well. But I will stand up and fight for the rights for all of us to have access to those audiobooks all the time. Even if I'm not using them, it's irrelevant. And it's unfortunate why I hear people talk down things like audio description because they don't watch TV, so they are not interested in it. But it's like you're missing the point. If we don't stand united on those issues and these examples, then nothing will change. You know, I look at the great work that's being done. There's a lot of talk of at the moment about all the light that we cannot see the the new series on Netflix and, of course, great mm. work being done with the AD and, of course, the casting of a blind person and all that stuff. That's all great. But we have to continually feed back because my feedback to Netflix and that is, that's brilliant. But, you know, they've just put up The Negotiator in the UK, but a great film with Samuel L. Jackson. doesn't have AD on it. Now, I'm sure it does somewhere, but yes. it doesn't have it there. So, yeah, okay, it's great that it's on that series, but... It needs to be on everything, and it's probably available. That's the irritation. So we need to campaign for that. We need to continually push that narrative um, together. So those are the things I agree with, but speaking in one voice can be a challenge. And I think this is where 
we see conversations that come out of things like the NFB uh, in the States, because let's be honest about it, that is a group that I hear this phrase a lot, organized blind community. Don't like that because I guess I'm part of the disorganized blind community. <laughs> um, but I feel that, you know, that there is something in that sense of coming together, getting things done. And the NFB is a great example of how to do it. It needs to be replicated elsewhere, though. It has to be in the UK. It has to be in Canada. It has to be in Australia. And there may be pockets of it. But in order to get things done, for real change to happen, we have to talk as a group together. But we have to make sure that all the views are heard first so that we can come up with the right answer rather than one guy or one girl just making the decision about what is best for us. Because is that not the thing we've rallied against for years? So that's my take on that. You know what, I'm just going to let that um, email stand. I don't think there's anything mm. I can add to that. Uh, Tracy got in touch and sent us uh, this voice message. Hello, Stephen, Sean and Laura. Regarding your episode, Blind versus Vision Impaired, when I was growing up, I was vision impaired till I was 16. If I was talking to a sighted person, though, I would tell them I was blind, mainly because they don't understand the concept of being vision impaired. To them, if you say you're vision impaired, oh, does that mean you wear glasses? No, it (laughs) doesn't, but they don't comprehend. When I was 16 and became totally blind, then I identified as being blind, if you want to put it like that. But I find it extremely difficult, 50 years on, I'm now 50, to say I am blind for some reason. I've always struggled to say those words both over the phone and in person. I think it's because, as far as I'm concerned, me being blind shouldn't matter. I'm a person just like everybody else, as we all are. I think that's what the problem is. Why do we have to be identified as anything? Why can't we just be, like everybody else, a person? The other thing I wanted to mention, I recently got an iPad to learn to use as I've never used iPad etc before. I've got a Blind Shell Classic 2 which I'm recording this on at the moment. The Blind Shell Classic 2 had some issues and had to get sent back. I got sick of waiting for that type of um, assistive technology, special specialist assistive technology to work properly because I've had a few problems. So I decided to get a Google Pixel 7a. I had it for just over an hour. I couldn't work it. I hated it. The feedback, the haptic feedback was terrible. I felt it was just a horrible experience. Why I didn't buy an iPhone, I don't know, but I made that mistake thinking it would work the same way. I then bought an iPhone and apart from a few issues talking on it and it hangs up on me, I can work it reasonably well already. Thanks to using the iPad first, though, I might add. So, yes, I think maybe perseverance is is what's needed, but I would say iPhone versus Android iPhone. Thank you very much for your show. I love listening to you guys. You make me feel so much better about myself and what I go through. I'm not as confident as you and Sean. How you go overseas, Stephen, amazes me, but well done. And I think you should be proud of where you are. So thank you very much for all your shows. Thank you, Tracy. 
Thank you, Tracy. And thank you for sending in that message and being so open and, and honest, uh, because it's hard to do. And I think you've got more confidence than you think you have, honestly. Absolutely. And thanks for that message at the end there. I really appreciate it. And believe me, I'm not confident whatsoever. It's uh, Everyone is is kind of the same. We all have our anxieties and uh, a little, little bit of uh, trepidation there. So don't think for one second that anyone's more confident than you are. I must admit the anxiety thing hit me in the last couple of years more than it ever did. Now, I think a lot of that was put down to the pandemic and being locked down for two years nearly. Um, that added oh. a lot of anxiety to all of us. But I must really? admit... I didn't notice any difference. No, you said this. I know. And, and, and you said this because your life didn't change that much. And actually, no. you're not alone in this. I know a lot of disabled people, or at least read about a lot of disabled people who said... Really? Yeah, welcome to my life, everyone yeah, else. This is my world. This is every day. Yeah. It wasn't my world, though. My world was every day going to work, going to an office, yep. talking to people, uh, traveling, doing stuff. And I was on the road a lot and moving around a lot. So this sudden stop, although I welcomed it because it came at the right time for me in a way, because I felt vision was getting worse, mobility was getting more challenging. So yeah. the idea of being locked in actually kind of worked for me, right? Because I could, I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have to challenge myself again. Going back out there was a challenge. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about, uh, Tracy, going overseas. There was a trip that I was due to make to see you, Sean. Um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I was due to come and see you. It was during the time you were off. You were unwell. You were you were off with your, oh, yeah. your, your problems at the leg. And um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't make the trip. And I think I came up with some garbage and told you that I was, you know, Ah, the train was cancelled. Uh, something <laughs> happened. But I just, I couldn't do it. I actually just could not make the trip. I, I spent the night before panicking myself into a tizzy yep. about it. Just totally over the top anxiety over nothing. But just completely, I, I couldn't, I, I, the, the, I kept going through it in my head. Getting up, getting to the train station, meeting yep. the assistant, getting on the train, getting off the other end. I'm playing the whole journey in my head. How's this going to work? What if the assistance doesn't show? What will I do? What if my IRA isn't there? What if something doesn't work because I'd been out the day or two before and there was issues with my phone and it wasn't working properly? If that fails, I'm screwed. And the problem is you just work yourself up into such a frenzy. You do. You do. No spontaneity. That's what something we keep coming back to. Um, but, I mean, we do need to think about a trip. We do need to plan it beforehand. That's just the reality of things. But how many times does that happen? I've got to say, that happens a lot with me. Mm. I can say, yes, okay, this this plan has been made and this is going to happen. The night before, I'm sort of, uh, do you know what? Can I go through with it? That happens a lot, right? I don't think it's something you should beat yourself up about. Uh, I mean, because it is difficult. No, I didn't. It was fine. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I genuinely did because I knew you weren't well and I was so annoyed that I couldn't muster it in myself yeah. to, to get down to see you. It really annoyed me. It did. Because I thought I really wanted to come and see you and I felt I've let you down, but I've let myself down even more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. You told me about it. Yeah, but, but see, <laughs> you can say that, right? And, and, and people, I'm, I can totally understand that feeling because it's something that I go through as well. And lots of people do. Absolutely. That anxiety. But again, it just shows, look, you're not alone at all, Tracy. Everyone everyone has those feelings. Sometimes you can push through it, but sometimes you just can't. And it gets too much. You say, you know what? I just can't do it today. I'm sorry. And I think that was the other thing, though. But with that example, that was it was because I knew you would get it. 
So I, although I was annoyed and I was embarrassed about it and I felt bad about it and all those emotions were swimming around, I kind of thought, you know, if anybody in this world is going to understand this, it's you. You'll know. Yeah. You're the first that will say to me, I get it. And that made it a little bit easier. Didn't ma- didn't make the decision for me, but it made it a little bit easier for me to to sort of finalize on that. And that's the thing you do. You beat yourself up over it and you spend so you much do. time. You waste so much time just going over. And I think, honestly, the amount of time I've wasted on this, I could be there and back. Yes, and it probably would have been fine because most of the trips are fine. Yeah. And sometimes, even when they're not, you can deal with it. But um, yeah, sometimes you just work it, work yourself up. Absolutely. Um. I, I've, we've got to mention, though, the hour, Tracy. We've got to mention that an hour on the Android, and it, it was a terrible <laughs> a whole hour. experience. That was it. Terrible. Forget it. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean, but I've got to say, when I first got my first iPhone 4S, it took me a good two, three days to feel comfortable with it. So, you know, I, and I've, I felt exactly the same way with the first Android phone I got. But again, it's one of those where you just need to push through. Um, I mean, you kind of recognise it anyway with uh, perseverance. You mentioned at the end, uh, I, it's it's not really a fair comparison. But I totally understand. We're comfortable with what we're comfortable with. Well, oh, again, that's where you come from, right? And you had that iPad experience, and that's what kind of gave you the sense of understanding when you got the iPhone. So. it's interesting but that is an interesting experience although I know many people will say and you know to be balanced on it as as much as I can be you know I do know that there's many people who would say the exact opposite and say you know I picked up an iPhone and couldn't manage it or couldn't be bothered with it and I think it comes back to and I'm not trying to rattle Greg's cage in Pennsylvania um, but you know it's true that you know it's down to just perseverance to some degree I don't, I still don't believe or agree. And I know we've had various conversations about this, Greg, and I know you've sent in various emails about it, but ultimately we're all just coming back to the same point. You disagree with me on this, but I think that there's no reason beyond, you know, blind, blindness itself is not a reason not to be able to use a smartphone. I just don't think, I think it's down to training and I think it's down to uh, availability of resources because it seems when you have those things, people seem to flourish. And that's ultimately it. We're not all techie people, right? There's a lot of you who are just not techie people. And I am i was in that camp for a long time. I mean, I thought of myself that way. I have to be honest. I think when I lost more vision and started really delving into tech in the way I do, I think I realized how much I bluffed my way through life. Because you, <laughs> you, you do, right? You kind of just, well, visually, you just click on that button and that's it. We don't know how or why. But to actually, you know, when you, when you use a screen reader, you start to have to learn or you, you start to learn a lot more about the screen than you knew before because there's buttons that you never even knew existed. Um, there's things that it can do you didn't know how to, and you need to understand the layout and the structure. So there's a lot more you learn. It takes time. It it's does. just invest in that time, and it takes even six months on from my first iPhone, I was still learning new gestures. I think the scrub gesture I didn't learn for ages. When I was in a folder, I used to use the home button to come out of it. I didn't even know the scrub uh, gesture was there. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a case of, you know, it's anything new takes time to learn. And you know, it does I, feel uncomfortable in that time. I know some people like this show for one simple reason, because we don't make fun of anybody who doesn't know something, right? This is not that kind of show. Um, I am forever telling people, especially people who say to me, well, you didn't know that. Uh, no, I didn't yes. know that. Yeah. And that's okay. Because you know what? At some point you didn't know it either. You figured it out, right? So you know, just because you got there first doesn't make you more knowledgeable than me. It just means you know it. 
But not knowing and, it doesn't make you smarter than me. It just means that we've just caught up and that's okay. Unless we're talking to each other, obviously, Stephen, in which case we can. In which case, yes, uh, I'm definitely smarter yeah. than you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tracy, thank you for your message. Really appreciate the honesty and the openness in that. Um, Laura reads an email now from Bev in Canada. Hi, Stephen and Sean. Having been an RPA for all my life, I enjoyed what I considered to be good, useful vision and went about my life as a fully sighted person. Attended regular school and played sports with no concessions to my reduced vision. Worked in equal capacities in several workplaces. Worked for a national agency for the blind and some of the most senior staff thought I was fully sighted. My totally blind boss used to say, in the world of the blind, the partial is king. Exposed to blindness from birth, my grandfather and mother were both RPers. My grandpa was a successful farmer and my mother a registered nurse, so I had plenty of examples that blindness was no major obstacles to success. Blindness was rarely discussed in our family and my older brothers often forgot my vision issues. In fact, I often thought, they having also grown up with grandpa and mother, that they would have a better understanding of poor vision or blindness. Both treated me as fully sighted. I also think that some of their lack of understanding was also my own fault. As a youth and into my late twenties, I tried very hard to pass myself off as fully sighted. Eventually, I tired of playing the charade and gave in to being designated as being legally blind. Playing the part of a visually impaired child got me nowhere as I was expected to pull my own weight in our family. I suppose that taught me to be self-reliant and always planning the next move. I knew from an early age that someday I would be totally blind inheritance, you know. When it happened, it was fairly quick, relatively speaking. It took me considerable effort to come to grips with losing my little remaining vision. The grief, the fear, the lashing out, and most of all, the denial. I am a firm believer that even through a traumatic event in one's life, your natural personality will eventually emerge. I am normally a very positive and happy person. I also don't try to hide or disguise my lack of vision. I am blind and I am upfront when meeting new people. I also think that blindness is partially a state of mind. Yes, there is the physical, but the mind plays a huge part in one's acceptance of the hand you have been dealt. Yes, there are some things that I can no longer do to contribute to my family life. I try hard not to be a burden by asking for help any more than necessary. My wife of 57 years will sometimes say, you can do that yourself. When our grandchildren discovered that Grandpa couldn't see them, I would say, my eyes don't work anymore. A child doesn't understand that logic, so I would say, my eyes are broken. They accepted that like a broken toy. Life is not easy when faced with any sort of disability, but the acceptance and understanding of limitations will open many opportunities and can lead to a fulfilling life. Long ago, I gave up on trying to explain what I was able to see or not. People will develop their own attitudes and there is little you can say or do to change their thought processes. When asked about my blindness, I try to explain the why and the now as best as possible. Laura does a fantastic job of reading emails. I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion of attitudes as part of Friday in the November 3rd podcast. Bev in Canada. Honestly, you guys blow me away with your emails. You really do. So articulate in this stuff. And um, I can't write an email like that. I just, I've tried. I can't write those kind of emails. I can barely write an article for our website. I'm like, how do you write this thing? Um, <laughs> it just gets everything across. So I just relate yeah. to so much in there. Absolutely so much in there. Again, I don't know what to add to that. It was just perfect. I could, I could talk off that email for an hour. Honestly, I could just do a show on that one email because... Yeah. It, like all of your experiences you're sharing, so much, like you say, just resonates. And you know, I think the bit that kind of gets me, and I think this is the bit that, that I want to really get across from that experience that I talked about on Friday, is that the the challenge for me was, and it sounds very similar to you, Bev, 
that I was playing the game of the sighted person for a long time. Yeah. I don't know why we do that. Well, I think partly because I was always told when I was a kid, oh, you can see more than you can. But then I was told I was blind. I could never understand this. As a kid, I was told I was blind all the time. But then if I did anything that was in any way blind, you know, if I dared to, you know, feel something, it was like, what are you doing? You can see. Put better glasses on, thicker glasses, newer glasses. Yeah. And then, well, it of feels course, like you're wearing a mask. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's strange. But then you build yourself into that. That mask becomes you, right? And you just become that that person. And then it came to the point where I suddenly wasn't able to wear that mask anymore. And I get questioned more now as a result of doing that because people saw me from before. So it's almost as if, well, because you were this way once... Yes, yes. How can you be different now? And I always think if someone was in a wheelchair and hadn't been in a wheelchair their whole lives, but, you know, through an accident or whatever, you wouldn't turn, you would never turn around to that person and say, well, you could stand last week. Yeah. You wouldn't say that, right? Because it would be like, well, of course that is, this is visually obvious to you that there's a change happened here. There's a reason you're sitting in that wheelchair. But then equally, Hmm. if that person can get out of that wheelchair and move around a little bit, that doesn't mean they're they're not disabled. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just that it's it's we've got to stop quizzing people. And I don't know the, the the interesting thing that will come out of this, I think, and it came up in one of the emails. Um, is this a British culture thing? This is this is like a cult. It seems like a cultural thing in Britain that seems to be different. Maybe it isn't different around the world, but that questioning that comes from. It's like That's what, interesting. That's what, what I don't even think. Because the media in the UK is very bad at this. It will target disabled people and it will vilify us. We're either, you know, saints or sinners in the UK. Yeah. That's pretty much it. You know, you're yeah. a Paralympic hero or you're a zero stealing all our money on benefits. Yeah. And that's where we're kind of at. And I, I sometimes think that there are some of us in our community who that becomes internalized we internalize that a little bit and we just make that that's who we are we, we are nothing we are nothing and if we feel that way then that's not going to that's not going to help anybody grow right nobody's going to grow out of that very well so you know i think we've got to stop that thinking you know and and th- this this is why these conversations matter that's why this matters but Bev, thank you so much for that. Honestly, that was such an interesting amazing, message. Amazing emails. Um, we, we don't have time to play the other ones. There are others. I, I'll play them in tomorrow because Tim uh, Dixon sent in a, a really interesting message, which kind of picks up on a lot of the themes we've heard already. Um, we're running out of time, unfortunately, otherwise I would have played in more. You can blame Mr. F. Blame him. Don't undo me. We have enough time. <laughs> he's not awake but the thing is you know this has been a really interesting conversation I, I, I and I want to continue it you know I'm not stopping it here you know and I think that you know we're we're, we're maybe at the point where we should perhaps get back to the tech because that's kind of what we're for um, but it is a conversation that is, is part of, of who we are and certainly that's something we bring to Double Tap so uh, and you guys really brought it so thank you for that and um if you ever do want to reach out, please do. I also want to say a huge thank you to those of you who have sent private messages. The ones where you say, please don't play this on air, but, and then you proceed to send the most loveliest message. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll always respect that. And if you tell me not to play it, we will not play it. It's as simple as that. And same if you leave a voicemail. Leave a voicemail if you um, don't want it to play out. That is absolutely fine. We will respect that. Just let us know uh, when you send it. Don't forget the website as well. 
Uh, catch up on lots more of our conversation uh, with Mike Buckley, of course, Be My Eyes, a really interesting conversation we had with him today. Uh, thank you to Mike for coming on. Thanks to Laura, as always, for reading the emails. Amazing. Keep them coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven is the number to call to leave us a voicemail. Thank you again for all your messages. Don't forget the website, www.doubletaponair.com. Loads of interesting content and more arriving every single minute. Oh, we oh minute. Yeah. Oh wow! By the- I better get working. <laughs> <laughs> Lots more to come on that. We'll uh, get to the website again tomorrow. But uh, yeah, thank you for that, Sean. Uh, interesting show again. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, everyone, and I will see you next time. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.